0: And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for getting the download. And we are back for the final episode of the season... Of When did that come out? It is December of 1994, and we will be looking at the box office disaster that was Ron Shelton's Cobb. I am Charlie Stabile, joined as always by William Rankin. Will, how are you doing today?
1: When we started this season, my I only had two children, and the second one was only <laughs> one. He is two now, and I've added another child. That's how long we've been going out of here. <laughs>
0: So we've almost done a whole calendar year for a year, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. But I mean, I mean, it's been a rough, it's been a rough year. But here we are. It's um, been a rough year. <laughs> this Is what we've been building towards. Uh, the, it's been a rough year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know I, it has on my end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, worst part is it's not over yet. <laughs> So,
1: Imagine if we were doing but, this like in um, 1941, where it's just like, ah, oh, crap, man. We, uh, Dunkirk was a real bummer. <laughs> so,
0: so uh, I guess it was. I don't know. I was probably about 18 or 19. Uh, my aunt showed me this movie, uh, because I mean, my aunt was a huge. She wasn't a baseball fan. She wasn't a Ty Cobb fan. She was a big Tommy Lee Jones fan. And like, 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 you wouldn't believe. Like, I don't think. I, She said something oh, he rarely ever makes a bad movie, and maybe that was true at that time. But um, she broke this one out. I watched it, and I really like Tommy Lee Jones in this. (laughs) Uh, This is so different for him, even for the time, and and even looking back on it now based on his choices since 1994. And this is what he followed up uh, The Fugitive with. Uh, he wins an oscar and he goes okay now i'm gonna go play ty cop. and it's wow okay uh will what what are your early memories of this movie
1: um so i got i started getting into baseball around 94. it was the i i got into it right when the braves finally won the thing so it would have been in 95 i guess when they actually won it because it was the strike shortened Season and I had a friend who really liked this movie. Way too young to be seeing it at the time, I'm sure. He told me about it. It wasn't something that like I really I had interest in though until years later. Probably a good ten years later did I finally see Cobb for the first time. And I mean, it's it shouldn't be a shock that there's many years that go between my viewings of Cobb. It's not that kind of movie that you really are eager to go back to just because of its subject matter so I've only seen it a few times over the years one time like I was really going into it to watch it the other times are ones where I subsequently caught it maybe like on cable or something of that sort.
0: yeah, so this was my first time watching it uh, since the um, well the first time so I've, I've only seen this twice and I mean I, you you know me i'm a, I'm a pretty not a big baseball fan but it's my favorite sport definitely to follow. Um, and and the history of the sport is really what interests me. And and Ty Cobb, this isn't exactly a name you hear a lot from people that talk about, you know, the all time greats. Um, but they'll, they'll talk about Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, um, Jackie Robinson, guys like that. We never hear Ty Cobb's name. And I actually I had to look him up uh, after the movie was done because some of these records that they that they say that he has in the movie are just outrageous like he has that and and to look it up and to see that this guy truly like if you read just what his records are he sounds like the greatest baseball player of all time so well why do you think he's not in the conversation like anymore like why people don't want to talk about him
1: well, the game, the game itself has changed so much. Like that ever since 1990, I guess it would have been 98. Was it 98 or 99? The the year of the home run record. When the home run record finally went down, that was the apex of baseball is no longer just the, you hit a single, you hit a double, triple, whatever. It's home runs. Like that's what the game is. And then the game continued like to evolve going into the 2000s. Once like steroids became... A big part, a big part of the lexicon, not just in baseball, but it branched out then into everywhere and just the pitfalls of it. The game itself just changed in such a way to where like being just a great pure hitter wasn't the wasn't the mark of it anymore. And the thing with baseball is like its popularity itself has waned over the years. Like, I mean, it it has its place right now. Like it will always be the national pastime, but it also has its places. Maybe, the third most popular sport now in our country behind football and basketball. So because of that, like there's just less talking about the greatest baseball players anymore, just because that popularity is down now to really like dig into why maybe Ty Cobb, who let's just face it, he may be the greatest baseball player ever. When you look at it, just records wise and everything of that sort. And I know eras are confusing because back in those days, like the number of games, like that's why when you look at like the, the pitchers you have, like the 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 most wins in a season. Well, yeah, because they threw like a billion games or in a season now, like you can't do that. Like guys can't pitch as many games as they did. But when it comes to Cobb, you know, like he was part of an era where hitting, the way he hit was the essence of the game. Like home runs, like that's why Babe Ruth is a spectacular, larger than life figure. Is like this guy could do the thing. He could hit the home run like nobody else. And that's what kind of took over baseball. But even deeper is the fact that when you look at Cobb's history as a human being, it's very cloudy. There there was a time and this movie kind of is a problem of sorts because it portrays it portrays one maybe element of his life blown up maybe in a way that isn't correct and actually it wasn't correct according to further research done by other experts. I think that's the biggest problem is those combination of things like because of how he is portrayed in all this different types of media being like a, a terrible racist a, a, a in essence like a, a murderer like I mean that's just it, it, it there's there's one account that 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 lends itself to that and then on top of that being uh, a womanizer a woman uh, a, an abuser like all these things that just got blown up to the top and it's like these aren't necessarily true they're the kind of things though that affect they affect the reputation to where, he isn't talked about and in some ways Ty Cobb's name only gets now brought up because when it's uh, every year when it's it comes time to vote for the hall of fame and they're like well we can't vote this guy in because he did steroids well we put Ty Cobb in and he killed a man or you know he was this kind of dude and it's like it's not the full picture and that's one of the bigger problems with the movie overall so that was a very long-winded answer for For what you asked, but I think there are multiple elements that contribute to why Cobb himself isn't talked about as much as we may think you know
0: I think that's a very interesting point because uh, i I think a lot of people like to focus on the sensationalist aspect of baseball more like all oh, the home runs the home runs when it's it's really to me it's not really about that it's about more of of the ground game that uh, Ty Cobb a player like Ty Cobb would play. And and to focus on strictly home runs, yeah, like Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle at the, the 61 chase, you, you just talked about Mark McGuire. Baseball was huge when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were going for that. But nobody really cares about who got the most hits in a career or who holds the, the, the record for the most bases in a single game. Stuff like that, and that's the stuff that I always found to be the uh, the most interesting because baseball is it, it, like Moneyball said, it's a game of numbers, and that's what's important. And Ty Cobb used to claim that he didn't hit home runs because he simply chose not to, and uh, turns out that he was partially right because he would said what like for like a stretch of of his career he chose to, and he actually did great. Um, and the game, oh sorry, the movie. Uh. Because I guess we're gonna have to get into the movie eventually. I wish this movie focused a little bit more on the baseball stuff, because this movie really comes alive when it shows Tommy Lee Jones basically reenacting certain things that happened to Ty Cobb on the field, like the attacking of the fan that has what, what was it like? He he had like no hands or he had one hand with like and, he, and on the other hand he had two fingers. Yeah. And I did some I did some research on that part and that is a true story but the movie kind of leaves out a couple of things like <laughs> uh, that caused Ty Cobb to go up there uh, like like for instance Ty Cobb had tried to get you know the manager of the team to shut the guy up he tried to get security to take the guy out the guy was yelling uh, racial uh things at Ty Cobb and Ty Cobb's team was egging him on. He, he This happened in like the sixth inning, but the movie just makes it sound like uh, Ty Cobb was an animal and just went, no, and just like, just beat the hell out of this guy. And that's kind of the portrait that the movie uses, I I think. So, and like the, the things with the cleats, you know, where he, where he sp- spikes up, those scenes look so just devastating too, uh, yeah. the way that Ron Shelton films it. So uh, let's talk about this framing device, like to get this movie going. Do you think that just right off the bat, do you think Robert Wool was the right choice?
1: No, this is this is the this is what hurts the movie. Thank Ultimately, you. even even beyond even beyond like the inaccuracies about Ty Cobb, which I mean, like, look, we can say in a blanket statement that pretty much most biographies don't get it hundred percent right. This one just happens to really paint him as a, a an individual that history has shown us through further research, he really wasn't. But Robert Wool like almost cripples the movie because he's not this type of actor where like he's a number two. He is just he is perfectly cast in a movie like Bull Durham where he's gonna come in, pretty much just comedic lines, and he's gonna throw in like just a couple of uh one-liners here and there, and then he's out. You know, like there's the movie doesn't depend on him. You look at him in a movie like Batman where he's in it just enough to be fine but it borderlines like to where you get to scenes of Knox you're like oh, I think we can skip this you know because oh, not. he's just it's just not he's not that kind of actor like there he is a utility type of actor you use him in specific spots this was not the spot to use him I always thought he
0: was a poor man's Albert Brooks
1: that's a good
0: comp very good like, comp I think Albert Brooks would have because like, you want a guy who can be funny. And yeah, Robert Wool can be funny, but in, in small doses. I think he works just fine in Batman, in, for the most part. But in a feature-length movie where he... I honestly think this movie is more his than Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, and I'll get into that later. But I think for an, for if you want someone like Robert Wool but more capable and more like, easily digestible as an audience member, you go for Albert Brooks. And I think he would have been a much better choice for this. Although I do like the novelty of having Alexander Knox spending a whole movie with Two-Face. Yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> like, so if nothing else, we get that. So anyway, so we get that out of the way. I agree. I do agree. Uh, that is the weak point of the movie for me. Um, but it's just something we have to deal with. It's not that he's – it's not terrible. It's kind of like what we dealt with with Quiz Show with Rob Morrow where it's like he's he's fine. He's just not for this. Uh, so so we get Robert Wool and the framing device is basically, he's sitting around with his jackass sports writer friends, which, I'm sorry, this scene is insufferable. Uh, like,
1: <laughs> Charlie, you know because, what this scene, though, is? This is 1994 internet. That's exactly we, yeah, what this scene this, is. Yeah, this feels,
0: maybe that's what it is. Maybe it, it, it has that, just that kind of gang feel uh, that you see on the internet with a bunch of drunk idiots just agreeing about everything and disagreeing about other things, and, and, and I'll tell you, maybe what, maybe what I don't like most about this is it feels like it's written. I, I feel like I'm watching a bunch of character actors reciting lines together. Like, it doesn't really feel like these guys, you know, know each other. It's just, it's just a little off-putting. But I do like that the movie kind of gets going almost immediately. Like, oh, there's a phone call for you, Mr. Stomp. And... It's Ty Cobb wanting to write his story, his autobiography, uh, with a ghostwriter. And that's kind of what this is. This is the journey between Ty Cobb's final days and what will eventually become uh, the character Al Stump, played by Robert Wool. It will eventually become the thing he's most known for, Uh, not just the book or books that he wrote about Ty Cobb, but his experiences with Ty Cobb, and whether or not... He lied about some of these things, because this movie paints a very unflattering portrait of, of the man, and it, it paints Robert Wool almost out like to be a saint, and he's going through his own problems like with, with his marriage, and Ty Cobb kind of has to show him the way. You know, it's like oh, don't worry about that kind of stuff, and it's like oh, not this movie.
1: <laughs> this is this really does stink of like those types of movies where like you have the experienced older person, the younger person, and they each learn a little bit about life from each other.
0: And that's exactly what this movie shouldn't have done. I think I don't like the fact that Ty Cobb, like like not as a person, but the way that he's portrayed in this movie. Let's just treat him as a character, and he only exists in this movie. I don't like that this character is worthy of redeeming i don't like that that he get basically gets an ebenezer scrooge moment like towards the end and and all is basically forgiven and once again i'm not talking about the man i'm talking about the the tommy lee jones character Right, Uh, right right and it just feels hollywood in a way that i don't like and it feels disingenuous and it just well it feels fake it just doesn't feel real and and then the the way that the movie ends those are the same way it started with with, with everyone kind of sitting around the, the table and, and Robert Wool has definitely learned something and and he starts telling wise old tales about Ty Cobb and it just feels fake it's just like oh he's, he learned to like really love the man or whatever and it's no this doesn't this doesn't work but I'll tell you what does work for me at least is Tommy Lee Jones he is all in on this performance and it's it's so great and and overlooked. Like this is easily one of the, my favorite things I've ever seen him in, regardless of the accuracy of the portrayal. And I just wish he had someone better to play off of. Uh, do, do, I mean, I know you're iffy on Tommy Lee Jones. I know we both agree that The Fugitive is is probably the best thing he ever did. But what do you think of him in this movie?
1: I mean, this is a one. This is his one-two punch. This is Apex Tommy Lee Jones. Good, good. I'm glad you. This feel the is. Same way. Yeah, I mean, like. Because th- this, th- the combination of the fugitive and Cobb set up his career up until now. Well up I well not until up until now. I think like by the time we get to like 07, Tommy Lee Jones starts to kind of change into not the necessarily just the fast talking, really over the top character or caricature that seemed to develop based on these per- the combination of these performances. This really sets him up though. Like it is a shame that the movie just doesn't doesn't help him enough because. If this is a better movie, you have a and, and in terms of maybe the way it's written, no offense to Shelton, but like if it's written better, it's acted better in terms of a better actor in the Robert Wool part, he might have had a chance of sneaking into best actor this year. I don't think he still would have won, but it's a performance that if the movie's better, I think he has a better shot of at least getting in the nomination the nomination pool, you know? I agree, and I think if the movie had been a little bit more of a success, because the
0: the low box office number is really surprising to me. Like, I mean, it's not just low; I mean, it's it's abysmal. Um, I believe it's just over a million dollars. So there weren't a lot of eyes on this movie to begin with, and I think that you could also tie that into yeah. Like, typically the Oscars like to celebrate movies that. That aren't really mainstream or they don't get a whole lot of attention. That's at least the, the way it is now. I don't think it was so much back then, yeah. but you know you want you want the audience to be familiar with the movies that they're talking about, and Cobb didn't really get any kind of following I don't think until years later. Like for instance, you and me, like we did not see this in the theater, um, and I don't want to make it sound like this. This isn't like at the very least a good movie or a decent movie. Like it's a damn sight better than the Babe Ruth movie they made just two years prior right, uh, with, right. with John Goodman. Jesus, like, you want to talk about taking liberties with the story. In Ron Shelton's defense, he has said well, this movie was more about what what seemed possible that Ty Cobb could be capable of as opposed to impossible or, you know, hard facts. Because there are things in this movie that are true uh, based on things that I've looked up uh, like the murder of his father that story is just unreal. Um, although I think that they play a little bit with the with with the adultery aspect. I believe that it truly was his mother that killed him. I think that's the right. way it went. And then the movie took right. liberty with that and went, well, what if it was uh, the guy she was screwing around with? Yeah, right.
1: And right. It's like
0: what? Like that. That doesn't help things. Like that just makes this more sad. Like it's like the movie's trying to figure out a way to excuse his bad behavior, even though. The Al Stump keeps telling him, "You were a prick before it happened, and you were a prick after." I mean, is a nine-year-old like? Can we really classify him as a prick? Exactly. I, I think misguided exactly. youth would be more appropriate. He's yeah. not a fully formed person.
1: Yeah, um, that and like, like in that same vein is like his racism. Like the real Cobb. Like there are multiple accounts where like this guy was like. All about integration in baseball, and was not nearly at all like the racist that's that that Tommy Lee Jan- that Tommy Lee Jones has to portray him as. So that's one of those like huge things where it's like you know I, I wonder like you know why like and I get I do get like it's a movie and therefore you have to amp up entertainment value. That's why you have to that's that's why stories get altered when they're adapted and all that. I get it. I just want I just question like. The guy's life alone, like without having to bump up anything, is pretty interesting. I just yeah. wonder why, like, why Shelton had to go with this stump book. Then again, and, and, and it's not 100%. Like, I, I, I'm curious how much Shelton knew in terms of what was actually real and what wasn't. There's some things he's admitted weren't necessarily true. I'm curious how much, because the stump book, I don't know if it's really exposed. Until basically after the movie comes out, because I think that's the driving force of the the revoking of of this movie is once it comes out, and then basically everyone like you and me who like you know we're not we're not up on Ty Cobb but because we see this movie and this performance, Tommy Lee Jones does that's out of this world. Well, that's what we think of Ty Cobb as, and that's that's just it's just sad that that's what screws this movie up. It's like it, the fact that it's so badly like again i think like and i wonder because it had this the power of tommy lee jones behind it versus john goodman doing the Babe. like that movie doesn't get railed nearly as much i feel like as as Cobb does in terms of you know research when you when you research this and you see just how badly maligned Cobb is and i was thinking man the babe doesn't get half this bad a treatment you know you don't think so no, I mean, not. I, it just seems forgotten. The Babe just seems like such a. I. It feels like there's a. The, inevitably, like they're gonna fix this and do a proper Babe Ruth biopic. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't think
0: there'll be another cop movie. No, no, no I don't think so. But uh, you, I could definitely see them making another Babe Ruth movie, and it's unfortunate because you had the perfect guy playing Babe Ruth, and. This is where the movies really differ. I think is that uh, I think John Goodman's great in the movie, much like Tommy Lee Jones is here. But the problem is the Babe Ruth movie. I don't think really has anything redeeming in it, as opposed to uh, Cobb. I think Cobb does have redeeming qualities, and yeah. and and that's what rises it above. There are some. There are so many things in that Babe Ruth movie that are just flat out lies. And and, and oh yeah, and I, I oh, hate yeah. being like this because I'm not a stickler for the truth when it comes to doing biographies. Uh, You know, if I want, because I always say, if I wanted to watch a biography or a documentary, I would watch a biography or a documentary. But when you do things that purposely just seem harmful and make the character look much worse than he actually was. Like, this movie spends the entire time, Ty Cobb, this spends the entire time basically telling us what an asshole this guy is. And then at the very end, Robert Wool goes, oh, and, um, you know, he donated $100,000 to a, to his own like scholarship fund, and he created a hospital, uh, in his in his in his name or in his parents' name, like in his own hometown because they didn't have one, and it was so, out of left field. I had to look up to see if if the Al Stump character was lying. Yeah, like it felt like a lie, because th- like this movie does this weird thing in the final, um, voiceover that Robert Wool gives, where it could almost be conceived as not true. Like because in the movie the Al Stump, and, Al Stump character is writing two different books and one of them is the BS book that Ty Cobb is making him write, which Robert Wool says, nobody will ever want to read this I'm sorry, I would want to read the book that Ty Cobb's talking about basically talking about the intricacies of baseball and how to steal second, I think that stuff is fascinating but Stump's wanting to write the more personal biography so, so he, and, he's, and he flat out says that he's lying in some of these books so like this, this ending just kind of rings hollow but as it turns out, it was true it was true, Ty Cobb did do those things and it's this little like peek into this window of a life that we're not really getting a, a better look at that this was a really fascinating dude who had multiple layers he wasn't an out-and-out out bad guy and I do not like the final montage of clips that they use of Time Lee Jones' Ty Cobb where he just looks evil
1: yeah, um are you talking about like where it's it's the Hall of Fame thing? Well, like, well
0: we can, we can well we can talk about that scene in a minute, but like the way that the movie actually ends is, you know, I I, I already mentioned they they're sitting around the table talk, telling tales about Ty Cot, Oh, okay. And then it, I and then it cuts to this Golden Fall score. And it's Tommy Lee Jones just like spiking people and yelling at people and dropping the f bomb and look and then it finally ends with him looking out in the crowd and basically saying f you. That's what it looks like he's saying, and the music's like ba bum. You know, it's like look how evil this man was, and it's just like Jesus. Yeah, like oh, okay, is that the note you want to leave this on? You know, it's just it's just weird. The the movie has mixed messages.
1: Yeah, and I'm that's why I like. I mean, it's, 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 it's not a surprise. Like, and I, I wonder if they saw the returns early and they're like, just dump this movie, get it. No, pull it, pull it, pull it, pull it. Because I never realized it, it bombed this badly. But another, but a part of that too is like, would you want to go back and see this? I wouldn't. I'd be like, no, no I'll, I'll probably see this in another 10 years. Right. Right. It's rewatchability yeah. is very low, very low, even for the performance.
0: and, and, a, and a, I'll tell you, a big part of this is... Because, once again, the movie has this schizophrenic feel. That, that Hall of Fame sequence, uh, mm-hmm. where basically the, the people in the, that, are, that are there, the other baseball players, get to watch the beginning of the movie like we did. <laughs> yeah, it like, feels like the movie's starting over. And then Ty Cobb starts seeing like other images. like His life basically starts flashing before his eyes, but only the bad parts. And it's a very Hollywood thing to do. And and it's like look at him beating his wife, and you got the voiceover guy slowly morphing. I can see where this could have seemed cool on the, on the page, I, but the, the rest of the movie doesn't really come off like like this is one of the few times where it seems like the character of Ty Cobb is reflecting on his life. It doesn't really seem like through the rest of the movie that he is. He doesn't really care. At least that's yeah. the way it comes off to me. But all of a sudden yeah. he does.
1: Yeah, I, I think this goes into the bigger conversation then about, like, Ron Shelton on the surface seems perfect to do this movie. At the same time, he's not. And I think it's just because, like, I don't – that's – what you're describing is a very nuanced type of thing. That's threading a really tight needle to be able to, to successfully convey that where, like – I think it's possible to convey where like on the surface, like you act like you don't care, but then you have a scene where you do care, but it's such a hard turn in this movie that like, you wonder if in the hands of somebody else, they may have done something with it. And I think it just speaks to the bigger thing about Shelton is like, look at where Ron Shelton is making this movie. This is his fourth movie. I think it's, yeah, this is his fourth feature. He debuts with Bull Durham. He gets nominated for an Oscar for writing. It's a huge hit everyone involved he follows it up with is it blaze i i can't remember that it's one word like that i, I forget
0: um oh well, he did white man can't jump right
1: he did that i think so that's the one third movie. movie yeah there's there's some other non-sports movie in there with paul newman that he does and his wife lolita davidovich who's in all these movies um uh and then he gets to Cobb, which is a you know this is his chance at like a big it's, it, this is an Oscar movie like let's just say it like this is f- built to be an Oscar movie and it fails miserably and it's no real shock then that like like Co- he never really approaches this type of movie again like he does 10 cup and then it's play to the bone Ooh. and then he he does that weird segue into cop movies in the same year with dark blue and then Hollywood mm. homicide which Uh-oh. you know and it's no surprise that Ron Shelton like as as a feature filmmaker, is it you know, basically is is gone like i mean yeah, he does it didn't he do a 30 for 30 in that does a 30 of, yeah he does a yeah. 30 for 30 a few years ago he does a movie with tommy lee jones again called J- just getting started i think with morgan freeman and renee I russo remember, that
0: i remember it yeah the old people movie yeah, yeah, yeah. they have still got youngness in them you know <laughs> right
1: yeah so i mean like it it it's it's unfortunate. I think this movie had a lot to do with that, though. Where it's like it wasn't. I don't think he was necessarily going to be given projects like that. It's a tough. It was you know this is. Again, it's it's it was kind of his choice, like going with this material, this this material, that was adapted, um for this particular film. I mean, like I I, I, I kind of he does kind of have to shoulder the blame because it's like you chose. Because I think he's credited as writer on this as well, like you chose to go this route and it was a high mark and you missed terribly however though there is something here that i think plays really well now and we talked about like in the beginning with the reporters is the internet like that's message boards that's twitter it's facebook that is the same clamoring insert the subject whatever you want it could be the dark knight it could be joker all that stuff it's the same thing where people are batting around all those all their opinions and the thing that the movie, I think, does really well that translates into, into this year is what is it like when we meet our heroes? Yeah. What happens? And is it all it's cracked up to be? And then what is the downside of meeting our heroes? And that's why, like, the, the reflection that he kind of, I guess, Robert Wool portrays at the end is, yeah, like, our, our heroes are an incredible mixed bag, and it's, it's often dangerous for us to come into contact with them because it risks ruining the image that we had going in. So in that way, the movies, it's actually, it's a pretty bold type of biopic. It's just unfortunate that you know there's, there's so much baggage <laughs> when it comes to things that don't work with the movie in terms of just its basic thematic elements that it ultimately cripples it in a way so there is there are interesting beyond tommy lee jones there are there there's interesting material here that i think like can create good discussion nowadays but i mean like i i don't it it's not good enough to really help you know buoy this movie back up to like i mean i don't know what your rating is going to be i don't suppose it's incredibly high and if it is it's probably all tommy lee jones
0: uh i mean tommy lee jones like this movie suffers so much when he's not on screen, like, um, and, and that's what I wanted to get to. There is an entire uh, part of this movie where Tommy Lee Jones is absent, uh, and it's with Robert Wool and uh, Lelita Davidovich, um, and it's it is an excruciating section of this movie. Um, and then when Tommy Lee Jones finally does show up, uh, he the the movie just gets stranger. <laughs> uh, and like, I, until you had said it, I did not know Ron Shelton and her were married. So that makes the scene in question play a little bit more odd with Tommy Lee Jones and her, and it just... I I, I don't know. Like, Robert Wool's got this whole thing going on with with his wife, and his wife leaving. And I love that he... Remember that one scene with uh, Bradley Whitford where he kind of becomes Ty Cobb?
1: Yeah, like, Yeah. What? And it's...
0: What the hell is
1: this? It's, I feel like we've seen this before. Whenever you have like this, this person that is following and shadowing this larger than life figure that inevitably something rubs off on them and it's usually not a good thing and they take it back to their lives and it really throws people off like, whoa. Yeah. I think this
0: happens in every single one of these types of movies. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: like this is like the inevitable, like it's, it's so like forced just uh, Robert Wool just starts like, shooting like a madman because he gets his papers served. I do like the fact that Bradley Whitford, who is just there to simply serve the papers um, for the divorce, has been chasing him across the country. This is a very like, this is quite a budget just to get <laughs> Al <Yeah>. stomp. <laughs> I've been looking for you all over the country. Just, wow. <laughs> and Tommy Lee Jones like I said, like you see this all the time in these types of movies. The character of Cobb actually becomes concerned that Stump is going to shoot somebody, and it's the first time you really see uh, Cobb really, truly like in fear of his life, or make basically acting like an, a human being. Because like, yeah. the the way that he's introduced in the movie, I mean, you can hear him saying, you know, the 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 racial stereotypes. You can hear him that. You can see him shooting a gun. You know, but he. Op- I love that too. It's just such a. It's just such BS. So he's shooting the gun through the door, and Stump is like, Oh my God! Like, who is this man? And then he opens the door, and there's Cobb sitting there, looking like a helpless old man with a dog in his lap. The dog is supposed to like represent his human side. Yeah, it's just like it's okay though. I, I do have a dog, so like, and just bull bullshit. Like there's no other way to put it. It's just like that. There's no way that this is how this happened. I, I hate this kind of stuff, and I really just wish that they had focused on the baseball stuff. I like I don't yeah. mind I don't mind the flashback framing device. I, like the looking back on a life misled basically, but the movie doesn't go full in on it. You think that the way this movie starts, it feels like this is going to be a movie that's told in flashback, but it's not. Like, we're like, oh, I remember, Stumpy, I remember mod days in the major leagues. And it shows them like, playing for a little while, and then we spend, like, half an hour in the present day. The movie is all over the place.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. It,
0: it, and it refuses to give me what I want. And every time they cut back to the baseball stuff, I just think it's wonderful. I'm like, yes, I this is, like, the good stuff. It, it, basically the same feeling I got when I saw For Love of the Game. Like, I do not care if Kevin Costner falls in love. I just want to see him and John C. Riley play baseball,
1: right? I, yeah, it's the best
0: parts of that movie. Uh, but um, hmm. yeah, so towards the end, I mentioned it earlier. I think I want to use this quote because this is this is how I was feeling. Uh, it gets a little, the movie gets a little too cutesy for its own good. It's weird when movies do this, where where movies that spend about an hour and a half just being mean and and just not feel good all of a sudden get like a massive dose of syrup dumped on it and and you're supposed to just kind of get this ooey gooey feeling it's like Spielberg just took over and directed the final 20 minutes (laughs) and it's like no that doesn't that just doesn't work here yeah not not in a movie where there's lines like at this point I was just waiting for him to die
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Yeah, like, like, how, well, like, how much bullshit is that scene where Cobb is, like, where they drive the cars, and, and he's like, oh yeah, like we're going to, we're going to Reno, or whatever. And it's like let's get, it's, it's a massive storm out there. Oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Crashes the car, gets into Stump's car, starts driving his car, picks up, um, I, I don't know who that black guy was in relation to Cobb, but they just find him on the
1: road, pick him up.
0: It's like, what is this movie
1: doing? Right. It became like, let's, it, it's less Cobb and more Hunter S. Thompson, is how it yeah, feels. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's not bad. <laughs> that's not that's not a bad way to look at it. It just seems like such a missed opportunity because, like you said, I really don't see them making another Ty Cobb movie. Like, they'll no, make and tons it, of yeah. Babe Ruth movies or Jackie Robinson movies. But, um, right. It's like you have one shot at this. Like, they had one shot to make. 61 and thank god that it was such a great movie yeah and you had one shot with ty cobb and this is the way we have to remember him, like on film it's just uh well this and like i guess field of dreams where Sheila joe jackson says oh yeah we told him to stick it and just like oh there's ty cobb in cinema
1: <laughs> i um i that's why i think it's important though that this this was the movie we did though in december because it's it goes to show you that like 94 is is a huge year. It's extremely top heavy, extremely top heavy. And there's there were a lot of there were a lot of movies that didn't quite make it, and there's a reason for it. It's not necessarily cuz there was so much good stuff. Like once you get past like the big best picture nominees, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily work that at the time it may be like oh, cuz I mean, look, I mean, if without seeing this movie and you're telling me Tommy Lee Jones is going to play Ty Cobb in a movie directed by Ron Shelton, who had done Bull Durham, right after he did The Fugitive. It's like, oh, yeah, man, pencil that in. That is a lock for best picture and best mm-hmm. actor. No doubt about it. But it didn't work. And, but, and there and there's, there's substantial reasons that we went over as to why it didn't work. And this was the case. Like, I mean, there, there are more than a few movies from 94 that the way we remember them is not really like how they turned out to be, which in a lot of ways is kind of the, the theme of Cobb when it comes to how's the man remembered? Well, we think of him this way, but he's actually this and that and it's conflicting. And that's, what's interesting about the year of 94 it's 99 and 94 are often thrown together. And in many ways they couldn't be more different with their outputs. You know, Very
0: true. I mean, that's one of the reasons we wanted to kind of, you know, do the films that were, that were really well-known, but also shine a light on the films that are kind of forgotten from that year. And the ones that, like you said, Oscar bait. This is an Oscar bait film. It just, it just doesn't quite come off fully like it and, and simply because of how unconventional the movie is. Like a movie like um, 95's Wyatt Earp is totally Oscar bait, and the way it's structured is that way. But I always kind of forget about Cobb simply because of the way it unfolds <laughs> as a film. Because it's no. like, how could they ever think this was Oscar bait, just based on the way that this thing is structured and the casting, other than of course Tommy Lee Jones. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's so it's so it's like in The Fugitive. Oh, yeah, Best Supporting Actor, and then for Ty Cobb, it's just uh, you know, I'm just gonna go for Best Actor. Now I remember reading that when he had accepted the Oscar for The Fugitive, uh, he was filming Cobb, and that's yeah. why he looked the way he looked when he when he accepted the Oscar. Because I think he was, I don't. Was he bald or was his hair yeah, white? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah there it, was some, it's like,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah, was something exactly. different about his
0: appearance, and, and he had commented on that when he won the Oscar. And that would have been a really, uh, that would have been a hell of a two punch. And you know, if the movie had been better, I'm sure that he would have at least been in the conversation. But 94 is just so, so damn tough uh, in the acting category. I think much like what we're going to see at next year's Oscars. Uh, for this for this year's films
1: i feel like cobb kind of sets up the template for like the future johnny depp roles where like the movies the (laughs) the movies aren't good but boy he's like he usually it's the standard review line the movie's terrible johnny depp's great movie's terrible i hate that okay (laughs) it's like i feel like i
0: say that so much that i hesitate to say it because i'm trying to figure out a better way to say it
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, like, like I remember at our theater, man, The Libertine. Like, The Libertine was supposed to come out, I forget when, but it didn't come out for, like, two years. And when it eventually came out, like, everyone at the theater saw and they're like, oh, Depp is phenomenal in it. And it's like, the movie itself isn't very good, but Depp's phenomenal. I'm like, is he really phenomenal? Exactly. Or, it,
0: or is the movie so <laughs> yeah. bad that it makes right. his performance just look amazing? No, like, they go hand in hand. That's part of it. I, I don't think you can be phenomenal in a shit movie.
1: Yeah, I, I there's, I mean, it. Sometimes, like, uh, you know, just sometimes it's a bad movie, and people do it do the best they can with the material they're given, and you can tell that they that it's a struggle. Like, you can tell sometimes you can see the wear on the movie in terms of production woes, and you know, sometimes it just doesn't work. And the good thing for Tommy Lee Jones was that he because he was, it was almost like he, he was a little bit immune to it because he had just come off the Oscar and thankfully he transitioned. Like, I mean, I think the client is right after this, right? Is that um, not the yeah. next?
0: no, the client came out in 94. Um, it might've been, in fact, I get, this is December of 94. The client must've come out in the summer. Cause I, I remember going to see that in the theater, his movie after this, I believe is Batman forever.
1: Okay, so I mean, like he he, I mean, and and again, we can say what we will. The movie, the movie made money. Movie did fine. Tommy Lee Jones was fine. Like that was the good thing was that this movie does not is is a barely a speed bump in his right. career. It,
0: it is interesting looking at his career. There was a time where Tommy Lee Jones like almost guaranteed box office. Um, yeah. yeah. Like like if it was the summer, well, Tommy Lee Jones is going to be there. Like he's going to have a movie like Men in Black or Volcano like he it's, it's so weird because he's so unlikely but um, he was a very bankable movie star in the 90s and of course yeah. that's not reflected here but then again you know, releasing this in December also which is the Oscar bait month uh, yep. that might not have helped because December for 1994 alone is stacked I remember trying to compile the list of the movies we were going to do and December had at least 12 movies that I was looking at Um, almost everything gets of all kinds of genres got got unloaded and this movie just kind of got swallowed up I don't think it deserves its box office we haven't even said it's box office it basically made a million dollars domestically which might be the biggest bomb we've ever covered but it certainly should have made more than that it's it's a I think it I think the movie is
1: fine Uh, I think it got pulled I feel like it could have made more money like not much more but I feel like they saw the writing on the wall and they pulled it. I'm not even I'm curious how big the release was because if it came out in December, that's usually your limited release period for a big and then it goes full January. blown mm-hmm. Right. I I just I feel like that that thing popped, they got they saw the numbers and they're like, you know what, let's just cut our losses. Let's just let's just abandon ship on this and move on. And they probably could afford to take the blow and then they moved on.
0: Probably. I mean, this movie probably wasn't that expensive. And I think that's one of the reasons why we got Robert Wool. I imagine his price couldn't have been more than a million. <laughs> like, yeah. because what movies was he doing? Like at this point, like I remember when I started the movie up, I totally forgot it was Robert Wool, and I was like, oh no. Like, yeah. Because as, as far as I know, with the exception of Arliss, this is the biggest role I think he probably had in films. And yeah. I remember Arliss, and Arliss was okay it's fine. Yeah, uh, you know, fine from what little I, I remember of it one of the original HBO shows but you know Robert Wool I believe eventually just became more known for writing because uh, he would write scre- you know sc- screenplays he'd write spec scripts uh, I remember he has a writing credit on an, on an old episode of Police Squad like oh right on yeah he's a funny dude but as a, in a starring role in a starring capacity uh, he he can you know the part where they're looking at the at the art in Batman is the worst for him. Um, oh, yeah. When he drops that king of the wicker people line. I mean, it's just like, stop flirting, for the love of God. <laughs> like, I feel bad for you. She doesn't like you. Nobody likes you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the movie, like, gives you a little bit of respite, making you think that they've killed off Knox. And it's like, oh, thank God. But then he shows back up at the end, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> How did he survive this? Like when Vicky crashed into the garbage, did it like close his nostrils? Because yeah, he, I, should, <laughs> he should have still been breathing it in. <laughs> oh God! But anyway,
1: um, any final words? Uh, do you want to hit on, Khan? Nah, man. I mean, like I, I think we like. Uh, that's why I felt was important. There, there are. There are things that are good about this movie, but they're only because of like how our how de- how our lives have changed, like how cultures change and everything. Like there are some good things you can pull out of this that maybe weren't necessarily intended, along with the Tommy Lee Jones performance. But I think overall we've hit on like this is this is what happens when if you if you decide to deviate from the biopic formula, you risk going running into the co- into a cob type of situation. <laughs> you know, See, I mean, I know it's a cliche. No, right. Walk hard. Walk Hard nailed it. I mean, it's exactly that—that—that that, that is how biopics are done. There's also a reason why they're done that way, is because that puts them in the most successful position in terms of box office, and then maybe awards down the road. You know what I, I mean? Like, I can't I, help
0: but wonder if they looked at The Babe, which does follow what we're talking about in terms of this is how I wish they'd made Cobb and went, you know what? That movie sucked. That movie didn't work. We need to do something a little more unconventional with our biography. Because, yeah, yeah. Ba- Babe follows Babe Ruth from, like, 1890 to 1940 or something. And, yeah. and it's like, hey, that's a great idea. And then you see the movie, and you're like, but none of this is true. Like, not a lick of it. Uh, right. Those biographies are so tricky. And, and the praising of performances in biographies I think is tricky, too. But once again, I'll give Tommy Lee Jones a pass because I feel like he, he made this character kind of on his own. Uh, like there's, I don't so, think there's a lot of video footage of Ty Cobb, like in his prime or anything, like 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 in interviews. So he didn't really have an impersonation to make, or anything like that. And same with John Goodman for doing Babe Ruth. John Goodman really does his own kind of thing uh, with that character, and it's and it's admirable. But God, when you've seen one biography, you've you've almost seen them all because they all follow the same kind of thing. And I admire this movie for trying to do something different, but it just doesn't fully work.
1: Here's what's funny. So, and this is, uh, this is probably a good point for us to transition out on is 2019 has a version of Cobb coming out. It's the Mr. Rogers movie, which is set up very similar to Cobb. And we're going to see how they go about executing it, which I think we can be safe and bet that it's going to be substantially better than Cobb but it's again this interesting thing it's a non-traditional biopic where it's like no 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 this isn't the story of Mr. Rogers we're going to get elements of Mr. Rogers life but it's framed through a journalist that's interviewing him and again how Mr. Rogers will, will, will give this guy something to take back to his life that will make him better because that's what he did for so many people who watched his show that will be fascinating to see like here is a non-traditional one that is better executed well he just ruined my excitement for that movie
0: uh because, <laughs> because you're right. because I have a sneaky feeling that that movie is gonna be about that guy. and Mr. Rogers is gonna be second build. because I mean there's there's enough in that trailer to make you think that like like there's enough, like he's with like his wife and his kids. you no. know, and it's like, oh no, don't do. That. It's gonna be one of those movies that came out after the documentary where everyone will go. That movie was good, but the documentary was better.
1: Right. Yeah. And yeah. there's a good chance that this movie is only okay as well. Like, I'm, we're saying it's better than Cobb. That's not a high bar to clear. It's not. I high. think there's a good chance. <laughs> there's a good, good chance that this movie is okay. It's not as you know, emotionally poignant as we may want it to be because Tom Hanks is playing Mr. Rogers. And that's just because the nature of what the subject matter they're dealing with, which is not Mr. Rogers life. It is this journalist's life and how Mr. Rogers in the later stage of his life will affect his going forward. So, you- <laughs> <it's fascinating. laughs>
0: So the selling point of the movie really is Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Like, that's it. It's like, do you want to see your favorite wholesome like old white guy playing the most famous wholesome old white guy ever. Yes, I do. I do. I think that's, that's my, it. I mean,
1: I think that's this, phenomenal this is, casting. <laughs> oh my god! Like this is. Uh, I know we may not want to say this because it's Mister Rogers. This is such a cash grab. <laughs> like this oh, is hundred percent. Totally and and I know understand. Like look and take a step back. All movies are made to make money. They they wouldn't be made if they didn't think they would make money. Like there is money involved somehow with with making movies. But this just seems like such a. You know what is it how? I, I'll be curious how good the script is, but they could probably they were probably like, "Hey, the script is, eh, it's okay, it's passable." But if we put Hanks in as Mister Rogers and just put that picture out of him in the sweater, Perfect. nobody's going to give it. You crap didn't even need and to come see the
0: trailer. Uh, no, you yeah, don't. I was sold on that. I was like, "Well, I actually might go to the theater to see this." <laughs> like, right, as crazy as that sounds, but it, it also makes me wonder if you're a really famous. Uh, personality whether sports television movies whatever and you're like in your 60s and a journalist comes to interview you for like a week i mean can you not help but wonder oh god like if they were to make a movie about me is this what it's gonna be right like, <laughs> i i would be on edge i would try to not engage the guy too much you know i, I don't want you to learn anything from me like i'll just tell you my story i don't want i don't want to get to know you I'm not going to ask about your kids. Like, I would really have
1: that over... There needs to be a movie about that. There needs to be a it movie. It might be the... You know, Charlie, it might be the Eddie Van Halen version. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you I can see it I See this pretty lady? Yes, sir, I do. That's <laughs> that's Miss Bertinelli. And oh, no. Flashback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, I don't care. Like oh god yeah if they were to ever make an Eddie Van Halen movie I would be just be so disappointed <laughs> if, oh yeah if, if this was oh, the yeah. framing device you know because it's just such a cliche and it's weird because I can't really think of a whole lot of movies that have done it but there are so many movies that have done this it's such a safe way to do a movie the, the other way is of course the biopic way that Bohemian Rhapsody kind of ripped off from Walk the Line where it's right. oh it's the biggest performance of their career I need to think about everything before I go on stage and it's just that sucks I'm I'm sorry for Walk the Line it was fine because I'd never seen it before I'd never seen that used before and it was so cool to see it done that way and then Bohemian Rhapsody just oh god I wish they'd just gone with the journalist angle (laughs) just (laughs) 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 oh man I got some questions for you I'm writing I'm writing myself a little book you go oh you're gonna use my name for your ticket to stardom you just Oh Jesus. anyway, I wish they'd come up with a, di- a new way to do these types of movies. Uh, it just yeah and and that, that's yeah. the other thing too about the Mr. Rogers one. who the hell is that guy? Like that's not a name actor that's playing um, the journalist character. So
1: no, not really no. So
0: it's not even like a team I can get on board with. I'm like you couldn't get Miles Teller. All right, well
1: okay. Uh, He was too busy playing goose, Goose's kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Cobb, uh, I'm I'm going to rate this movie as a six. It is almost a good movie with a great performance by Tommy Lee Jones. And he's the saving grace of the movie. Although, honestly, I, I think I'm more enamored with the fact that Tommy Lee Jones could pull this off than... Than, than anything else because I, I really don't know Like, if you were to get like any kind of actor to do this role I don't see how they could have really screwed this up we just need you to be loud we need you to be racist we need you to just shoot a gun like at random just just have a devil may care attitude it's just the fact that it's Tommy Lee Jones that's the novelty of the movie because he, he never really plays a bad guy and he's not necessarily a bad guy in this movie but he do, but he does kind of play a prick and that's the novelty of the movie. So yeah, six. How about you, Will?
1: Four. I, um, <laughs> I, 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 really? I I think I think he earns every bit of it. Like he he picks that up. I mean, like this is you know, to use a sports analogy. Like this is like a a good quarterback on just the worst team. That's gonna throw for like <laughs> three hundred. It's gonna throw for three hundred four hundred yards. They still lose by seventeen. Eight, like 17 20 points like it's still a it's still a route but man he looks like a, a monster going out there with it yeah it's it, it's just a really wrecked movie that he does you know does very admirable work in it and for better or worse set him on the course in some ways for like a lot of his future performances or what we expect maybe it's more the caricature that we have conjured of Tommy Lee Jones is based on this movie but man he earns every bit of this for so good on him yeah,
0: and it was a good. It was a, it was a good effort. Like it was, like he took a chance, and after a while, I, I really don't think Tommy Lee Jones was taking many chances anymore. Um, I mean, not, not to say he's not great. I love him in No Country for Old Men. He's really good in Lincoln, stuff like that. But um, hell, even uh, the Reverse Rambo movie, The Hunted. I, I actually really like that movie. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a cool movie uh, with Tommy Lee Jones. But yeah, it's. It was a good effort. It's a, it's a. I think it's decent. You, ra- I can't believe you rated it a four, but I totally see why you did. Uh, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> There's no other way nah. to do it. I guess. Yeah. I don't really know what else to say about it. But so that's a good stopping point. Um, so we will, unlike last season, we're gonna come back. We're gonna come back with a bonus episode for 1994. Uh, the idea is to pick two movies that um, we, did, we, we didn't we did have room for in the individual months, but just two like, host picks and just discuss them. Uh, will has already chosen his. Uh, he will. Be, we are going to be covering the Paul Newman movie, Nobody's Fool, which I have never seen, and I am very excited to see this. I've always wanted to see this movie, so a great excuse to watch it. Me, on the other hand, I have not picked the movie yet, but I will in due time, and we'll hopefully have that announced uh, within the next week. So in the meantime, follow us at Real Change Pod. Follow me at CM Stabs.
1: and I am at William Rankin 83.
0: And we will see you for the next episode of when did that come out, which will be our bonus episode, and we will decide on that episode and make the decision on then what we are going to do from there. And it will probably be something different. Thank you for downloading, and we will hit, we'll see you next time.